0: Hey guys, thank you so much for stopping by Legend Church's weekly podcast. Just a quick reminder, you can check us out at legendchurch.com, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and Sunday mornings in Madisonville. But hey, without further ado, set the cruise control, start Matt Marun, or grab a drink, and let's talk about all things Jesus. Um, I recently read this, uh, or started to read this book, and um, one of the things, it's about stand-up comedy in in general, but it's one of the things is, hey, if it's funny to you, then that's what you should talk about, and who cares if you think it's funny to everyone else? And that being said, I think, uh, and I make this joke every time we have a new sermon series, but I think the idea that you guys are thrilled about each new series is hilarious to me, so I will always make the joke um if you did we talked about it earlier in the intro Like growing up in the old sort of traditional protestant church um i was excited every time there was something new like if there's a new sermon series like what i can stare at something new because it was so boring and not like the cool you know crossroadsy kind of church where you're like excited as a kid and they do fun stuff it was like you sit in the pew and if your mom was cool she'd let you bring toys um, and if not, then you just sat there. Uh, every time there was new tithing envelopes, it was like, what? And we were teenagers, we would write, or go to hell on them. Like, it was awesome. Uh, and, or, but the biggest thing was special music. Did you guys have special music? Special music was awesome. Special music was like, it's the same music but it's special, and the reason it's special is because you don't have to sing it. That's the only reason. Someone else is singing it. It's a special. Oh, we just sit down, and I remember thinking, Oh man, today is gonna be awesome because it usually made the sermon shorter because there was special music. Uh, so we should start doing special music, FYI, with the puppets. The spe- I'm just bringing it all back. If we move into this building, we have pews, so we might as well, right? Like, uh, anyways. Um, but we do have a new sermon series. Uh, I know that you guys are so excited. I know you talked about it at night with your children. Like, guys, we got some new series. I just can't believe it. Um, and I don't know if you know how it usually works here at Legend, but usually it's Jason has the ideas for the new sermon series. Every now and then I might have an idea, but he's always thinking about it, and he's always willing to do the work. So I'm like, well, if he's doing the work, I just, and, I'm a, and there's never a time where I'm like, no, man, you talk talking about love of Jesus? No, we're not talking... No, let's do something different. It's, it's always like, yeah, that's that's cool. And most of the time, uh, I don't know, Jason probably knows this. So I don't know if you know this, but every time I preach, I'll go, I make a beeline to Jason and I'm like, hey, how was that? How was that? That's what I say. I say, how was that? And I'm not looking for affirmation. I'm looking to see, is that what you were talking about? Like, Because sometimes he'll be like, oh man, good job. That's how I know it's good. Oh, good job. That was good. That was good. That was good. Or sometimes i be like, wow, I would have done it different. That's what he says otherwise. Ah, I would have I done that different. That's what he'll say. And I'm like, oh, ah, okay. Because he'll go through. It's usually why I like him to start off the series because he's already talked to me about it for weeks. And and then I like him to start it so I can be like, okay, that's where we're going. Now I know where he's going. But I'm starting this one. But he was like, because uh, usually he'll tell me them, and I'm, I'm partially listening. Like my wife knows about partially. I'm like listening. <laughs> But it's not really sinking in. But I will say, I will say that this time, this one, Jason, right now, is like, are you serious, dude? Like, come on, really, all that? Um, This one, I, I got it. I got the assignment. I understand it. It is. I did some extra credit. Like, I am, I am ready. So I, I, I'm, I'm ready for this one. I think uh, it's going to be good. Um, This one doesn't really have a title because this word's going to change every week. Uh, So you know, when you're at home with your kids, tucking them in, a little win. Hey, let's talk about the sermon series this week. You can just call it Scrabble. let just call it Scrabble. Just because, you know, it's like that. It's just a different word every week. And the idea is that words don't have meaning, uh, but meanings have words. And so we're going to just for a couple of weeks uh, be looking at like sort of big Christian terms that we use uh, and looking to where those words, where they come from. Where did that word come from? Um, how was it used tradi- uh, in the ancient world? Um, how has the church used it um, throughout time? How we use it now? With the idea that having a sometimes a better understanding or a good, strong idea of some of these words that we'll throw out, we don't really always know what they completely encapsulate. Um, that, that'll, that'll help us in man how we conduct our Christian worlds, uh, especially outside of this place. So uh, this week, guess what the word is? No, no, it's grace. It's grace. Thank you. I was going to wait. Someone's going to say something. Uh, It's grace. The grace. Uh, And grace is the Greek word, uh, and when we get to the New Testament, it's the word charis. Charis. Um, We have someone in our church named charis, named after this. Um, And... uh, I, I saw that this was going to be the first one when Jason Lee is out, like, hey, here's our six weeks. This is where you are at. This is where I am at. He does a great job. Um, and I'm like, yep, that sounds good. And I, the first one's great. So like, I'll take the first one because it's like, oh, it's going to be easy. You're talking about God's grace? No, yep, yeah, they'll be easy. And I, th- this week, I busted out my lexicon. I knew that it was the word charis. And I started studying. I was like, this word's really hard. <laughs> it is a lot, of, it was a lot of work. I texted Jason that at some point. I was like, this is a lot. Like, this is not as easy as I thought. Um, Because what we do know, uh, we know that Greek, uh, the New Testament was written in Koinea Greek. Uh, It's a dead language. Um, We we don't know how. We don't know if it's really pronounced charis. That's just the words that we, the sounds we put to the letters. Um, But we do know it was a very, especially in the Greek and Roman world, very widely used language. Um, There are lots of things written uh, outside of the Bible in Koinea Greek. Um, It was really... um, very just well understood, and the words don't change. Uh, But what does change are translators. What does change is our knowledge of the ancient world that gives us better understanding. Because a lot of times, there was just big, a lot of their words had big meanings. Man, this word means this, and it's sort of big, and we don't always have the English word that goes with it. And uh, if you're translating, um, a lot of words have a, it's called a semantic range, where the word could mean this, but the word could also mean this and everything in between. And so a lot of times, as a good translator, as you're going through, you will um, you use context. Oh, well, the context is this. It probably means this. And it's a good way to do it, and that works out pretty well. But sometimes, sometimes you just have to pick a name. See, this way, This way. sometimes it's black and white, too, and you're like, I just got to pick one. I'm just going to pick one and go with it. And, uh, and that's why the, the whole the big saying in the Greek world, which I know you guys love, uh, is I mean, there's no such thing as an unbiased translation because at some point you have to make decisions based on what you think. And that makes it a little tricky. And that right there is two years of Greek. I'm still paying for it. That's all I remember. I remember that. <laughs> I remember the alphabet so I can look things up in the LX comma. Other than that, I remember nothing. Um, so there it is. That, that's, that's all you get. Um, but, uh, but another issue that we have is that the, the writers themselves, depending on their viewpoint of the world, depending on their background, depending on where they live geog- uh, geographically, but depending on who they're writing to, they can use the same word to sometimes mean different things that mean something to them. But here's the deal. Always the people reading understood the word. They got what it meant. They were like, oh, we, when you use this word charis or any other Greek word, they know the whole meaning because they lived it. They were there. They were contemporary. And so it makes it really tough for us 2,000 years later to Apply meaning. That's why history is so important and to know. Jason is such a good student of the history of these things because without that, we don't really always know what's going on. Um, So grace, charis. um, We use this word a lot in our modern world, and it can mean several different things as well. Uh, Things can be graceful. Um, The last two years, and especially this year, I have, for the first time in my life, watched um, weekly football um, I love it. I didn't know. I actually had a conversation with Graydon last week. I was like, are you mad at me that we've gone this many years, of, 18 years of your life and we never watched this? It's so much fun and we love it. And my favorite thing, my favorite thing always, and it's a good thing I'm a Bengals fan because they do this a lot, is when the defense has like ransacked the quarterback and he has to run. And you'll be like, oh, man, it's over. And it happens all the time for all the teams. They're running around, and they just do this wild throw that goes forever. And there's another man running as fast as he can with his back to that guy, and it lands in his hands. And I'm like, oh, it's graceful. It's graceful. If you don't like that ballet, it's graceful. Uh, um, uh, Watching me run, not graceful. I actually thought, um, Chris and I were training for a half marathon a couple years ago. Eventually, I have a doctor who said, hey, you can't run. And I was like, this is the best news I've ever had in my life. So I'm not allowed to anymore. But for a while, we were running. And I, you know, you do that thing whenever you get to like a crowded spot or a car goes by and you like fix your stride to look like really good just for that moment. And then you go back to like slogging it. Um, well, I thought when I did that, and I look... Awesome. And then we were running. I mean, Kristen, we were running a lot together. And she was like, uh, hey, you look weird when you run. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then I started looking at the, you know, when you run past. I'm like, I do look weird. Not graceful. Um, artists' brush strokes can be graceful. Uh, I love to paint, but I don't because I don't like to be graceful. I like messy and sticky and gross. Um, but graceful. People can be graceful. Um, the word charis... I think it's used about 140 times in the New Testament. About There's a, deriv- a different uh, word in Hebrew that's sort of the same. It's used about 40 times. And sometimes, when it's used, it means something like that, like this idea of uh, pleasurable, great, it's used towards people. They did something very graceful um, in that sort of way. Um, another way uh, it's used is uh, you can be graced by someone's presence. Um, I've never been, but what I've heard, if you go to Taylor Swift shows, and you were graced by that show. You were graced to be there. If you don't like that, like Metallica. You go to the Metallica show and you were graced. Uh, Foster and Leo, they were on the front cover of Metallica's website for like a day. They were graced to be on this you know, website. You're graced by someone's presence. You're graced by someone important or someone who means something to you. Or sometimes just graced to be around people that you love and you like. We can be graced by their presence. And sometimes, in the scriptures, in Greek, it means something like that. Um, And then the other one is, uh, another way is that we receive grace from someone. Um, You do something to offend. You do something that um, can hurt someone or to hurt their feelings or whatever. You do something. And this person comes back to you and they forgive and they pay it no mind, and without paying anything back or without having to grovel or anything else, you are just back in their good graces. You're back in the circle, um, and they've given you grace, and you receive that grace. And a lot of times, uh, the word charis is something like that. So when we come to what the first century, or what they were talking about, when Paul especially writes this word charis, um, it's all of that um, with a little bit of spice put in, um, a little, little bit of extra. Because um, Paul, especially as the New Testament goes, he writes about grace a lot. And if you know his story, uh, you can see why. You're like, yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, because what grace really means, if we had a good, a, a good word for what, how we define this, especially through Scripture, for the Old Testament and the New Testament, is the word favor. Favor. Not to do a favor, but you are favored. You are desired, you are wanted. Um, a step further, you are favored and you are wanted and you don't deserve it. Uh, a lot of times this is used maybe in reference to a king coming to someone of low position or low status or um, someone who's considered outcast or unworthy, but they are they are in because they, they have found favor and they have found desired by someone and they don't, they didn't do anything. To, to get it. And then on top of that, there's just a little bit more. So it means all those things. It means this favor, and it also means that we get this favor without any debt. There is no emotional, there is no um, any kind of debt, uh, no physical debt that goes along with the favor that you've received from this person. And so when we read this word karas, we should think all of these things. Uh, the main way that we see this played out in a modern-day view is the, the play Les Mis. Um, if you've seen Les Mis, like Jean Valjean, he gets favor, and he does not deserve it. He's a thief and a scoundrel, uh, and you watch how that plays out in his life, which is a very, it's a, written by a Christian, a very Christian thing. But it's, um, it's a gift, right? People say, oh, the gift of grace. It's a gift that you get from something else that says you are favored, you are desired, and you mattered, and so this Paul, the right New Testament writer, to this it is he is this is scandalous. This is scandalous. This is why he writes about it so much because he grew up as a and spent his life to be a a Pharisee, a Jew. He was really into his Judaism and what it means, and he understood who God was, and he understood the law, and he was weighing. And then he finds himself hearing about this new way, and he hunts people down and tries to murder them. Like he's, that's, that's, that's how into this thing he is, that they're doing something different. He, try, he tries to be a murderer. And then he finds himself entranced into this, still Judaism, but this new way. Uh, and he feels like it's scandalous that he has to pay nothing to still feel this love. That I am, st- I am loved in this, and I am accepted in this, and I have to pay nothing for all the horrible things I did. And so when he writes about it, it's, it's amazingly scandalous. Because uh, he has zero obligation, zero debt. Um, he'll write about the law a lot. So when we say law, when we read that New Testament, it's the law of Moses. And to be a good Jew, you, you follow the law. And you, as long as you follow the law, you're good, you're righteous. If you step outside of the law, you are no longer righteous. You're no longer, you've done something wrong to pay for. Uh, and in some ways, uh, people will disagree with this, but like, grace is anti-law. And Paul will write about that a lot. That Here's this grace that I have received. I have received favor, and I owe nothing, and I've done nothing to deserve it. Um, Let's go one step further here uh, because this is sort of foolishness to uh, our world. And this is how it sort of played out in the, in the Old Testament when it deals with it. It talks about Exodus. And um, there, I don't even remember the scene, but like Moses is on Mount Sinai and all the people down here, they're waiting they get tired of waiting and they build this golden calf and they start worshiping this golden calf even though they just saw God do all these amazing things and they're like worshiping another God. And, and Moses comes down and man, by law, by right... By every other god that exists in the Canaan area, man, you have now sinned against your god, you should be destroyed. You've sinned against, you've done something wrong, you should be punished. Zeus punishes, right? Poseidon punishes. uh, Dagon, these other gods, they punish. And the word, uh, the Hebrew word is like hanam or something like that for, for grace, is that man, God gives favor and love and they owe nothing. And it didn't translate. So when they tell these stories in the ancient, ancient world, the rest of the cultures didn't get it. Like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. It's weird. Uh, When they told these stories, even to people like Paul in the first century, it doesn't make sense. There's got to be a price to pay. Man, I've done something, or I've I've represented something, or I've been part of something, and there's got to be some sort of, like, I can't just be all in now. There's got to be a penance. There's got to be a waiting period. There's got to be a groveling. There's got to be something because that's how we are as people. We can forgive people. People do something to us, but we still want them to like, feel it. We want them to know that we're forgiving them. We want to know that you, know, you can't just come back and be best friends right now. We got to chill for a second and earn your trust back or something like that. And so this idea of what grace really means is foolishness to, to the world. Um, but we have to come to the spot uh, if we're going to grow in this thing we call Christianity and in this thing we call faith and in our relationship with this God, um, we have to come to the understanding that we, you, are favored by the creator of the universe. That the, the divine image, the divine spark that lives in every single thing, every living thing, uh, favors you. Not just loves or likes or like, okay, there's a God who's with me. It's, it favors and desires you, and we don't deserve it. And there's nothing you owe, and that God owes you nothing either. You are just favored and desired, uh, and that is what we call grace. Um, this, uh, this past week, um, I got to sit with a, a friend of mine, a woman who's dying, um, and there was a time with just me and her, and she looked at me, and she's not, uh, she, uh, she doesn't identify as a Christian or anything like that, um, but she looked at me, and she said, Justin, where am I going? What am I, what is this? What's next? It's happening, and I got to tell her that the God of the universe, the God of death, the God of life, the God of the next favors you, favors you, so there is no fear, and so there's something, there's a, there's a next step to what happens. So if this grace is a thing and the God of the universe that we sing to, we think about, pray about, that, is, that has created the world, that lives in all of us, that is in all things and is all things, if that desires us and favors us, there's something else that happens just naturally. So if you, And eventually you have to, um, if we're going to keep walking in this walk, we have to accept that. We have to accept it. Okay, I am favored. I am favored. I am desired. And if, if you start to think that something else happens, something else happens, you'll, you'll feel it and you'll start to see it and accept it. And then you start to have to, well, well if I'm favored, uh, well, then I guess other people are favored too. And you'll start to see it in other people and even people you don't want to be favored because they don't deserve it. And you, there's some people you're like, man, they, we know they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it at all. And some people are like, oh, they might. I'm not sure. I don't know their lives. Um, but we see it in other people. You'll start to see it. And then something happens there. It doesn't stop there. Like, I feel favored and desired by God. And, man, that has really rocked my world and changed how I, how I view every day. And now I'm starting to see it in every person. And then when you start to see it in people, you start to treat them like that. And now you are not just the recipient of the grace of the God of the universe, but you are the giver of God's grace, that God's grace is now working through you and you are giving it to others and people will see it and people will respond to it and people will change. And then it doesn't stop there because then once you have this, okay, I, I feel loved and desired and that has really fixed a lot of my stuff and I'm, I'm really working through this and now I'm treating other people because they are loved and desired too and that's how I should treat them and that's how I should see them and you start to live this sort of life, which is just Christianity, man. this is the way, um, you'll start to, it'll start to go a little deeper. You'll start to be like, oh, this day was, was grace. I mean, I got to live in this day this breath, this breath, every breath I take is grace. And you come to this phrase that we say, all is grace. And if you want to live in all is grace, it starts by you knowing. I mean, not just saying it and believing it, like, oh, let me check into that. But knowing and feeling that I am favored by God. It doesn't matter. Like all the other stuff. And it's in and my favorite quote by renny Manning. I'm going to read another one of him too. But he's like, it's, it's as, you, as you are, not as you should be. It is God who favors you right now, not, not tomorrow when you fix your stuff, not next month when you fix your stuff. The one who drinks too much, the one who cusses too much, the one who does the things, I don't know, whatever your thing is or whatever you feel bad about, the one who's self-righteous, the one who's angry, the one who's greedy, the one he likes you, that that's the one he desires. Not the one who's not those things. I mean, he'll love that one too. Hey Amen. I think feeling grace gets you there, I and mean, that's another thing for another time. But he loves you as you are not as you should be. Um, I'm gonna read this quote by Bernie Manning, and then we'll be done. Um, I just—he, I don't know if you know who Bernie Manning is, but he's one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite thinkers. Um, and his whole thing—he wrote a book called All Is Grace. Um, his whole thing about his entire life—he had one message. I heard him speak several times. It's always the same exact thing. Um, it's just grace. Uh, he was an alcoholic. Uh, he had several marriages. He was homeless for a while. Just uh, had a lot of issues. Uh, and he writes so beautifully. But this is it. Um, He writes, my message, unchanged for more than 50 years, is this. God loves you unconditionally, as you are and not as you should be, because nobody is as they should be. It is the message of grace, a grace that pays the eager beaver who works all day long the same wages as the grinning drunk who shows up at 10 till 5 A grace that hikes up the robe and runs breakneck toward the prodigal reeking of sin and wraps him up and decides to throw a party of ifs, a party with no ifs and buts. This grace is indiscriminate compassion. It works without asking anything of us. Grace is sufficient even though we huff and puff with all of our might to try to find something or someone it cannot cover. Grace is enough. Jesus is enough. And so as we go to our time of communion, we would be amiss to talk about grace without talking about this event because this is, man, for us, we, we get to emulate and we get to feel the, uh, the love of that through this person of Jesus. Uh, when people ask me about any of the thoughts I have about God, and sometimes they'll want real serious answers, well, why do you think that? And I'll be like, oh, I only think that because Jesus did that. I learn grace. I feel grace from this person, Jesus, uh, someone who dies for others. There's no better love than anyone who would die for their friends. Uh, and because of that, because of that magic moment, man, it transforms, and, it, and I can start to actually really feel that I am favored, and I am loved, and that I have the grace of God. And my prayer for every single person who ever steps foot inside this space Is that anything else? I don't care. We don't care. But that you feel that you are loved and desired by the God of the universe. So, as we come to the communion, the way that we do is we sing songs and you kind of just make a line and come and grab. Um, If you feel it, man, just say thank you. Wow, man, thank you. Jesus, man, this is great. If you don't, tell them, man, let me feel this. I want to feel desired, I want to feel loved. Uh, Because that in and of itself has the ability to echo throughout the rest of our lives. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do communion. Uh, Man, God, you are a God of grace, and we make you a God of so many other things. And sometimes those things are true, and most of the times those things are not. but you are, a, you are a God, not he, not she, not it, but the God that is in all things, and you desire us. And I don't know how. I don't know how. It's not, I don't think it's through words, God, but I don't know how to make everyone feel that, but I think you do, and so I pray that you just open hearts, open minds, uh, and not for anything other than that they can feel and see that you love and desire and favor them. And not because of anything we did and not because of anything we're going to do and not because of any debt we owe and not for any uh, things that we didn't do. We are all worthy of this. I thank you for that.